0: Welcome to the Comfort Connections Podcast. In this episode, Best Practice, Fall Prevention Strategies, we are joined by Dr. Tiffany Schubert, Managing Partner of Schubert Consulting, Senior Product Manager, Relias. Dr. Schubert has extensive experience in healthy aging, evidence-based fall prevention, and the adoption and implementation of evidence-based programs and practices at the individual, community, and health systems level. Listen as we delve into a critical topic that affects older adults across the care continuum, falls. We'll explore the causative factors behind the increasing incidence of falls in older adults, examine the profound impact falls have across the care continuum, from healthcare costs to falls data analysis, and we'll provide essential best practice considerations for aging services professionals to enhance outcomes for individuals under their care. Welcome to the Comfort Connections podcast, Tiffany. Thank you for joining our
1: listeners today. Well, thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and, and talk to talk about this topic, which is very near and dear to my heart. Tiffany, can you please share
0: with our listeners the causative factors for increased falls, especially for older adults?
1: Yeah, so it's really interesting because we kind of always think about older adults falling. But the fascinating thing is, is that, you know, we usually say, one in three people over the age of 65 fall each year. But if you look at younger demographics, like the 45 to 64, they actually fall at the exact same rate. Um, And people just don't understand that. But the problem is as we get older, what happens is we're more likely to have an injury from a fall, which is obviously something we want to avoid. So I want to like set the playing field here that people all fall at kind of similar rates, it just becomes a much bigger problem as we get older. So understanding that, then you have to circle back and say, well, why is that happening? And that's where things get really complicated really quickly. And so one of the big things that happens as we get older is we tend to lose a lot of strength. And this is actually a normal process of aging. Uh, And it's actually one that we really can have a huge impact on. But as we start losing some strength, that in turn kind of impacts our mobility and that impacts our balance. And then we also have some cognitive changes that happen, which are also totally normal. Our reaction times slow down. So what does this actually mean? It means that if I'm walking down the street and if I trip over a crack in the sidewalk, And I'm 25 or 35, I'm gonna my brain will immediately understand what's happening and implement the right reaction. But if I'm 75 or 85, that all slows down just a little bit. Thus I'm more likely to fall. So that that's just one one thing to start considering. And then we add in other complicating factors like if you have a chronic disease, or if you've been ill, or if you've been diagnosed with um, Alzheimer's disease, or cognitive impairment, or you have vision problems, all of these things actually increase our risk of falling. And then you throw on top of that something like medications, which can have a huge impact on someone's fall risk. So, there are lots of pieces that go into this and makes it really complicated and a little overwhelming for everybody. Not just for older adults and caregivers, but also for healthcare providers. So, one of the things that I like to propose to people to think about is that maybe we should start thinking about falls more like a chronic disease as opposed to an injury. And we have risk factors that we need to manage every single day. Just like as if you had high blood pressure, you take your blood pressure medications every day, and you probably have an in-home blood pressure machine that you use to monitor your blood pressure, we can do the exact same thing with falls, Um, and that can really make a big difference.
0: I was wondering if you could share with our listeners some of the impact of falls, for example, the associated costs, any other fall data, or trends and additional insights.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that we've definitely learned is that we want to prevent that very first fall from happening. Um, Because unfortunately, one of the biggest risk factors for experiencing a fall is already having a fall, which always feels super counterintuitive to me and I'm sure to anybody listening to this as well. So before I jump really into the downstream effects, I just want to talk briefly about things that we can be doing at this exact moment to identify our own risk factors. And there's actually this incredible tool at the National Council on Aging, it's called the Falls Free Checkup, which is an online tool where I, um, as an individual or as a caregiver or as a physical therapist, which is what I am, can sit down and complete this Falls Free Checkup and I can identify my own risk factors Um, And then from that, and actually it's really cool because not only does it tell you what the risk factor is, it tells you what to do about it and actually even generates a letter that you can share with a healthcare provider. And so I just want to highlight that to our listeners because it's available. It's free. And I actually tell people to do it monthly because our falls risk changes so much. So if you can prevent that first fall, obviously, then the whole downstream conversation doesn't need to happen. We can end the podcast now. That's not the case. Um, So once you have that first fall, there are several things that can happen. Um, One thing that can happen is nothing. You know, the older adult experiences a trip, falls down, realizes, ooh, I need to start paying attention to this, and hopefully goes and chats either with a healthcare provider or a physical therapist and identifies if there's any major anything going on with their balance or strength and things that they can do right now. That's a really good outcome. We want that outcome. The outcome we do not want to have happen is older adult falls, does not hurt themselves. That's obviously a good outcome, but then decides, "Oh my goodness, I'm really scared that's going to happen again. I am now going to really start limiting my activity. I'm I'm not going to go out and do stuff because I'm afraid I'm going to fall." Well, unfortunately when that happens is this this cycle where oops, I'm doing less now i'm getting weaker because i'm doing less now i'm at a higher risk for falling now i'm getting more nervous because my legs aren't as strong now i'm going to sit down even more so we want that we want to stop that that is the wrong direction so if we can a prevent that first, first fall or b after that first fall make sure that that individual's risk factors are identified and treat them those are all the right outcomes When those things don't happen, what can happen is I have my fall, I limit my activity, I have my second fall. Well, now in that second fall, maybe I fracture my wrist, maybe I fracture my hip. Say I fracture my hip. Well, now I'm in the hospital. Well, guess what? Now I'm going to get pneumonia because I'm in the hospital. And now I'm going to lose even more muscle mass. And those are the outcomes that we Those are the outcomes that are always so frustrating because we know that there are things that we can do to have a huge impact. Now, the one really cool thing about all of this is that if I'm that person that had that fall, that broke that hip, that's in the hospital, that got the pneumonia, now I'm home, there are actually some things we can do right away that can minimize the risk of a future fall. We can get strength training going, right? We can work on their balance. We can address the medications, make sure they're on the fewest number of meds possible and the lowest doses possible. We can make sure their vision is okay. We can make sure if they're if they're supposed to use glasses, they're using glasses. We can make the home as safe as possible. Um, And I really I always hesitate on this one because. For a long time, we were like, oh, people are falling down. We we need to change the environment and make it as safe as possible. And it's like the the fact of the matter is, is that you and I can navigate our environment just fine. And so we can clean things up, but we don't want to do any major overhauls because we're used to our environments. And sometimes when we really change them, it actually creates a higher fall risk. Like it just has to be multiple things going on there. Um So there's, again, lots of places where we can make a big difference. The problem is when we don't have that opportunity, that's when you start seeing that cycle of the person never really recovering and finally having that fall that results in the head injury that could potentially result in death or that results in the hip fracture that results in all the other things. Um, It's kind of impressive when you look at the data and the all-cause mortality, the death rate is higher in older adults due to a hip fracture than due to a heart attack. And when you start thinking about that, it really makes you go, oh gosh, there are, there are so many things that we can be doing right now to, to help that older adult lead the life that they want to live. Tiffany, I
0: really think you're spot on about discussing the impact of chronic diseases and second falls, especially for older adults. I understand that you were part of the development of the Gateway Program for Comfort Care Home Care. We will have program information in the resource link at ComfortConnections.com. However, could you provide a high-level background of the program?
1: Well, absolutely. And, you know, I think one of the mistakes we've made as researchers and as clinicians is making falls a medical issue. Now, of course, there are medical factors contributing to a fall. But the fact of the matter is that, you know, if I'm a 90 year old and I go see my doctor and I tell them I fell, they don't have any context. You know, even if they know me, they 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 might see they might see me walk into the exam room. Very, very, very low risk. I mean very, very low chance of that actually happening. And they're just seeing a snapshot of me. And I tend to actually want to present my best self when I'm with my doctor. Whereas the folks that are in the home every day have this incredible opportunity to see that individual in their environment and also see if anything changes, you know, with how that individual is interacting with their environment. So So this is huge. I mean, it really is a, an incredible opportunity. And that was really a lot of the idea behind um, these pro this program was like, hey, Here's a provider that's in the home. We absolutely know that screening for risk factors, you don't need to be a medical professional to do that. As I said before, the older adult can do it, right? So, you know, so you've got someone in the home who's familiar with the screening tools, who's educated and empowered to work with their um, older adult and and to, hey, gosh, something seems a little bit off today. Let's just do a quick screen and let's just see if there's something different. And so this is this incredible opportunity to jump ahead of maybe to prevent that first fall or maybe to get ahead of that second fall. So this is the opportunity that's so unique and so amazing that y'all can take advantage of with this program. Um, And I know sometimes it gets kind of scary, like, but, but, you know, you're not a healthcare provider but we're not asking that. We're asking you to be an observer and to collect that information and there is a pathway in place to do something with it. So it's a great opportunity. Um, The other thing I do want to call out is not only, you know, we talk about screening, which is part of the program, but then there's also the opportunity just to help support an older adult with their journey in fall risk prevention and if they want to go for a walk if they want to do um, strength and balance exercises, again, it's just helpful to have another person there. So so it's a great program, uh, lots, lots of great things that can come out of it. And also just the far, farther reaching impact of we don't just have to go to the doctor to fix this particular problem. In fact, we can't. You know, they can solve one aspect. But the fact is that this is a long-term problem. Our risk factors, you know, evolve over time. So here's this great opportunity to to make a difference.
0: Tiffany, can you share a few best practice considerations for aging services professionals,
1: especially to support improved outcomes? Absolutely, absolutely. I I think the first thing is it's okay to talk about falls. Um, You know, older adults do not like to talk about falls. Um, Definitely not one of their fun topics, Um, but just having it part of the conversation And also part of the conversation being that, hey, there are things we can do to decrease your risk. And I always like to align all these things. It seems kind of silly, but what's important to that individual? You know, hey, I noticed that you're not going out to see your friend for lunch anymore. What's going on with that? And then if it if you drill down and you find out well what's going on is that that older adult does not look no longer feels confident walking from the car to the restaurant. Well, this is something we can address right now. And I I have found in my experience a lot of older adults actually don't realize that they can improve. They think they're done. They don't think they're going to get stronger. They don't think they're going to improve their physical activity. And the fact of the matter is, is that there's actually been studies with people in their 90s where they did strength training in a gym. And the 90-year-olds, they had a group of 90-year-olds and a group of 30-year-olds, and it turns out that they actually gained the same amount of relative muscle mass. And, and people just don't realize that. Like, I can actually get stronger. I can get better and it, takes lo- it might take longer, like a 30-year-old is going to probably gain that muscle mass faster than the 90-year-old, um, but that they can do it. And I think just even opening up the opportunity for those conversations, um, hey, I just found out that, you know, you can actually still get strong no matter what age you are, um, you know, and I think these are, I think those are best practices because I, I do think we tend to sometimes also forget no matter what age we are. That older adults can have very vibrant lives and be huge contributors to society and they can get stronger and they can build muscle mass and they can do more. So having that conversation and then, hey, we can do some things which are not going to decrease your risk all the way. Like we can't we can't turn risk to zero, but we can really have a big impact and, you know, this is going to minimize your chance of falling. And more importantly, it's going to minimize your chance of a fall-related injury. Um, and that's one thing I, I did not mention before, but I want to definitely stress now, is that we find when older adults participate in um, exercise-based fall prevention programs, that not only do they fall less, but they also experience far fewer injuries and that, that's really, really important because the injury is really um, the, 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 the big problem that can really have a huge impact on quality of life. It sounds like one of the big takeaways is that aging services professionals really need to encourage older adults to keep moving. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And the final thing I would say to the folks in the Aging Services Network is screen. Just be, we're super comfortable screening for blood pressure. Be at that level of comfort screening for falls risk. There's great, there's tools in the GateRight program. There's tools available online. It is absolutely within your purview to do that. And there's resources available to act on the findings. Tiffany, can you share a few of your go-to resources that aging
0: services professionals really should consider in their daily practice?
1: Yeah, 100%. So like I said, there's there's that fall screening tool on the National Council on Aging website. Um, you can actually download it as well um, if you have access to a computer and a printer and print it out. So that that's a biggie. That's a good one. Most senior centers have what are called... Um, evidence-based either physical activity or fall prevention programs. Those are highly effective. Um, The downside is you have to go to a senior center and that doesn't work for everybody. Um, There are actually online programs as well that are available. Um, I did uh, go ahead and in the resource page also put some links to some YouTube videos of just some highly effective exercises. Um, And people get a little like, oh my gosh, we have to exercise. What does that mean? Um, you know, I would really kind of pose stress to people that we have new concepts around exercise. We call them exercise snacks, which is literally like just a two minute, hey, just like you were going to grab an afternoon snack. Let's do your exercise snack. And it can be anything from you're watching TV and a commercial comes on. I know it doesn't work quite so much streaming now, but, you know, you're going to take a break. And you stand up and sit down from your chair twice without using your hands. It's like the easiest thing in the world you can do, and it actually gets your legs stronger. You know, you're washing your dishes, you take a pause, turn the water off, practice standing on one leg. There are these little exercises that we can do that we can streamline right into our daily routine. We don't have to take time to exercise, but they can have a huge impact. So there are some resources along those lines available as well. Um, Believe it or not, a lot of communities have um, falls prevention coalitions. So it's just good to know some are state-based, some are more local, but it's just a really great opportunity to see what's happening in your community. And they tend to be, I mean, it's interesting, no matter where you are, there's like a different group involved, but a lot oftentimes like emergency medical service providers, senior center providers, caregivers, they're all part of these coalitions. Um, So there's, and I think now there's so many resources out there that anybody who has a question, you can find an answer and you can find good information. Um, I also find the National Council on on Aging's website in general has a lot of fabulous articles and programs and resources. It's a good place to start. As this episode nears the end, can you please share your closing thoughts
0: for aging services professionals?
1: Um, I think we've covered the highlights, but I, I think the main one is, you know, don't be afraid about falls. Know that, you know, we can have a huge impact and that y'all are you are strategically, you're like the the folks who are gonna um really just have the ability to start making these things happen. Don't don't wait for us healthcare providers. Come to us with this stuff instead of waiting for us to have to come to you because we will be behind the eight ball. And just thank you for all of the hard work you all do. You're amazing. Listeners, visit ComfortConnections.com to
0: download complimentary resources, view show notes, and access our episodes. You can also subscribe to our podcast on your favorite app. Thank you for listening and helping older adults live the best life possible.